Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This episode is episode 306, The Prague Travel Guide. This week's episode is sponsored by Context at ContextTravel.com. Context is a tour company which specializes in small group tours, with group sizes limited to six participants. All of their guides, or docents as they call them, are highly educated specialists who are passionate about their topic. Context as a company is passionate about deep travel, which is the idea that travel is immersive and transformative, building cultural bridges to change both people and places for the better. That's what we believe too. In fact, we've been seeing a fair few bridges, cultural or not, I don't know, (laughs) over the last little while. We are in Aundel again this week in Peterborough, England. Not in Peterborough, in Northamptonshire. Sorry. It's near Peterborough. My apologies. My apologies. I'm going to get... You've got to be (laughs) correct, Craig. I'm going to have the locals out with with rakes and pitchforks and, and all sorts after me. I don't know why I thought of rakes. I don't know either. I don't know we've either. Do- Maybe it's because we've been doing a little bit of gardening. Must be. We're house-sitting at the moment, and part of our duties is to look after the back garden. So Craig mowed the lawns last week, and I was raking it up. So I think it's that. Although I can't imagine them with the kind of rake that I raked with. <laughs> That's what I thought. Just, just the, the whole idea just seemed absolutely ridiculous to me. Yes. So speaking of bridges, uh, Aundel is on the River Neen, and we quite often go for a walk alongside the river. That's where I wanted to go with yes, this. Yes, yes. I, I was trying that's... to bring you back on track. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we've been taking lots of photos and putting them on Instagram. And there's quite a nice one on there of, well, quite a lot of the River Neen because it's very picturesque. There's a particularly nice one of a, of a bridge. I don't even know if it has a name, but it's a, it's a nice bridge with the reflections and, you know, it's great. It's cool. Aundel's a market town. I think we spoke about it a little bit uh, last time, but we managed to get to the farmer's market, which was not so much full of farmers as full of teenagers selling food from farmers. And delicious, delicious food. We had a a pork pie and a hog roast burger. Mm -hmm. And a venison burger. Yeah, very delicious. And there were all sorts of delicious uh, sweet things, but by the time we had had two burgers and a pie, I was out. I'd like to point out that we did not have two burgers and a pie each. We shared all three. <laughs> we're not that gluttonous. Whatever, whatever. Tell us a little bit about Blogstock. Oh, yeah. So a couple of weekends ago, I headed down to uh, near London to attend Blogstock, which is a festival for bloggers. I didn't know that such a thing existed, and I think actually it's the only one in the world. So Craig suggested that I go, and I was a bit unsure because it was going to be quite difficult to get to. I'd have to catch a bus to Peterborough and then two trains, then another bus, and then walk. So I wasn't so keen, and also I'd have to stay in a tent, and I didn't have a tent or a sleeping bag or a bedroll. But uh, then Helen and Wanderlust, who we met when we were in Ireland a couple of years ago, was also going, and she said she could pick me up from Northampton and uh, take me there and also that I could share her tent. So that's what we did. And it was awesome. It was freezing. It was so cold. Oh my goodness. I don't like being cold. But I had a good time and it was great to catch up with people. Finally met Nomadic Samuel, which is awesome. And uh, Julie from A Lady in London. So that was really cool. And just hung out with a whole bunch of awesome people who I knew or I met. And yeah, it was really good. Excellent. Well, we're going even further back in time for this episode. We were in Prague about a month ago, directly before we came to Aundel. And today we're going to be looking at, well, Prague. It's yeah. a beautiful city. We actually recorded a Prague travel guide back in November 2009. 2009. 2009. So That's like five years ago. Yeah, six. Wow. Six years ago. So it's, it was a little out of date. <laughs> and uh, we thought we might redo that. Because also, when we recorded that, we hadn't spent that much time in Prague. And now, I don't know, how, how many times have we been to Prague, Greg? Oh, lots. Lots, lots, lots. Yeah, we just keep going back. It's one of those places where... 
I don't know, we just keep getting drawn to either because it's so pretty or because we've got friends there or because friends are going there and we want to see them. Yeah. All right. So let's kick off with the sound of a piano playing at Namesti Miro, which is the Peace Square, where the Church of St. Ludmilla is located. We were walking through the square and uh, we suddenly heard a piano playing. It was a bit strange because we were outside and there was a piano outside. It's one of those pianos that they've just dotted around the city and anyone can, can go and play. So there was a guy playing it and this is what we heard. So, Linda, why go to Prague? Well, I think a lot of people have seen pictures of Prague and they know that it's just so pretty. So, I mean, that's a very big reason. You've got the river running through it. You've got Child's Bridge, the architecture, the old town square. And beer. And beer, of course. I mean, beer is a pretty important reason. <laughs> the food is pretty good as well. So those are two main reasons. The, I think the reason we went for the first time in 2006 was to go to the Christmas markets, which is a pretty big reason. I mean, that's marketed all over the place. Go to Prague for the Christmas markets. And I wouldn't personally go just for that reason, but it's a good time to go. But it's got that magical fairy time Christmas feel going on. It's with the snow falling and the old kind of restored medieval town squares. And it's so cute. It's awesome, isn't it? Uh, we went there, it was in 2006, so Christmas 2006, which is nine years ago. And it was one of the first places we went to in Europe. So we'd been in Europe for about six months, seven months, and we'd arranged to go there with our friend Janine and Ange and also with Janine's cousin. And so we arrived at midnight on Christmas Day and it was just so cold and we didn't understand the metro, but we made it to our hotel, well, our hostel, and it was fine. And then on the 27th, it snowed. So I remember being in the old town square and it was snowing and there was a light up in the street and I can just remember the snow kind of falling past. And that evening, there was enough snow on the ground to make a snowman, well, a snowwoman. And uh, we had a snowball fight and then Janine had brought a bottle of champagne with her, so we cooled that down with snow and it was just awesome. It was really different from the barbecue on the beach Christmases that uh, we were used to back in New Zealand. So it was it was a huge thing for us uh, yeah. having this this white couple of days after Christmas. That's right, yeah. Unfortunately, it, did, it didn't snow on Christmas Day, but it was the 27th, so that was pretty cool. Let's talk a bit about the layout of the city. It's um, cut through the middle by a river, the Vlatava or the Moldau. Yeah, but no one really calls it the Moldau. No, Moldau, is, it's really interesting. It's come from when the, the well, what's now Germany ruled in the region. Um, but the Vlatava is the kind of more traditional Slavic name for it. Yeah, I always find it weird when I hear tour guides talking about the, the, the Moldau. In fact, we were on a tour once and the guide called it the Moldau. And we had no idea what she was talking about. Yeah, that's right. It's <laughs> hilarious. So that's where we learned that the, the river has two names. It makes yeah. it very confusing. Um, the river kind of runs north to uh, north to south through the city. Or yeah, it's south a bit to of north, a... actually. It oh. heads the wrong way oh, it, for yeah. us, yes. It does a bit of a, a loop in the middle there. Yeah, it does. So there's the old town nestled in that, that bend or that loop on one side. Uh, the new town is to the south and the east of the old town. And then uh, the main tra train station is further out to the east of them. Uh, on the other side of the river, you've got the castle district. So that all sounds pretty complicated, but in practice, it's quite easy to, to negotiate, to get yeah, around. Yeah, it sure is. 
And if you enjoy walking around a city, it's it's a really great one to walk around. In fact, the first time we were there, I don't, I think we caught one metro or two metros. We just walked around. The city's divided into numbered sections, one to twenty-two, and most of the more well-known areas are in Prague One and Prague Two. So the old town, which is also known as Staremesto, is Prague One. The lesser town or Malastrana is also in Prague One. The new town or Novemesto is in Prague Two. The Jewish town, which is Josefov, is in Prague One. The castle or Kradkrani is in Prague One. And I can never say this one. <laughs> yeah, you're better at it than me. That's in Prague too. All of these regions are really the centre of the city, and it sounds like a lot, but they're all within a few square kilometres. So we're not talking about a huge area. We're talking about maybe a 40-minute walk uh, north to south and east to west. So it's pretty compact, and unfortunately that's where absolutely everyone goes mm. and absolutely everyone stays. And that was true of us for every visit that we've done in Prague until this time. This time we stayed out in Prague 8 in one of the kind of outer districts, and it was really good. Well, we actually stayed in one of the outer districts last time we were here. We were staying with Marinia Merka, and I don't even know where they live. <laughs> they were quite far out, so we had to catch a metro to get to them. But it's really fun to stay kind of out in the suburbs because – Prague is one of those cities that's made up of villages that kind of got swallowed. I think we were talking about this with Berlin as well. You know, you have all these little towns and villages, and when the city expands, those villages become part of, of the city. And Prague is another example of that. So each number, each Prague 1, Prague 2, kind of has its own atmosphere and own spirit. So it's really good to be out in Carlin and see what that Prague was like. Definitely. And Carlin would be one of my neighborhoods to go to, definitely, um, outside of the center. There was great restaurants, uh, nice areas to be in, like big parks and things like that. And it was just really, really a pleasant place to be. We went into the center a couple of times to see some sites, do some tours, but we didn't live there this time. And mm -hmm. that made all the difference. Yeah, I feel like we got to see a completely different side of Prague. However, if you're going to Prague for the first time, you really will want to spend more time in the old town because there is something special about it. You will be surrounded by tourists and a lot of locals avoid the old town because there are so many tourists. So if you're wanting to get the kind of typical photos, you have to get up early in the morning to get them. But I'm never keen for that. No, I never managed to. I keep thinking, oh, you know, I could take some sunrise photos. But I laugh at seeing, like, um, Pete Hick the other day. He's traveling around New Zealand at the moment, and he put on put on Facebook on the, the Hectic Travels page something like, you know, it was so worth getting up for the sunrise this morning. He has a photo of his camera up on the tripod, beautiful light on the horizon. I'm like, nah, I'd rather sleep in. Yeah, we're, we're good at sunsets. We can totally stay up until sunset. That's no problem at all. Yeah, you just need to get us at the pub. <laughs> Yeah, we got a really nice photo of the, the sunset over, over the River Neen, actually. Seems to be focus, all about, Linda, uh, focus. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, back to Prague. <laughs> so there's the Old Town Square, which has to be one of the most picturesque parts of the, the whole city. I really love it. I think it's really nice. It's one of these quite big town squares where there are always lots of people and beautiful buildings with lots of different colors. The central building is the town hall, and on the tower of the town hall is the astronomical clock which was first installed in 1410, which is quite quite some time ago. Uh-huh. It goes off uh, every hour on the hour, and there's a whole lot of moving parts and figurines that come out and uh, kind of move around during it. So it's always a good plan if you're heading in there to kind of 
time yourself around the hour. Mm -hmm. Or if you want to avoid a massive crowd of a few hundred people, you time it away from the hour. Any time that isn't on the hour. Um, there's a whole lot of other amazing buildings and so much history in that square. There's the, the Tin Church or the Church of Our Lady Before Tin, which is a beautiful Gothic church. It's where the Protestant movement or the Hussite movement kind of kicked off here with uh, preachers coming in and speaking, um, probably motivating Jan Hus, who founded the Hussite movement. So if you've done any medieval European history at all, you'll know the import of that. Um, there's just so much happened in there right? with the, the Russians coming in, the town hall being destroyed. It's crazy. So after leaving the Old Town Square, you don't have to walk too far to get to the river. And there are a lot of different bridges you can use to go across the river, but you'll probably head across the Charles Bridge, which is one of these Prague icons. It's uh, lined with different statues. First of all, there was just this one statue of St. Nepomuk, but then they decided to put more and more up. So Craig, tell us about Nepomuk. Why is there a statue of him on Charles Bridge? I don't know why I'm Mr. History today, but Nepomuk... You've chosen it. <laughs> Nepomuk was um, martyred for his faith and weighted and thrown off the middle of Charles Bridge. So there's um, actually a small shrine at the point where he was thrown off, as well as the statue to him. And Nepomuk's become very famous in Central Europe, and you'll see um, a lot, basically anywhere in the Czech Republic and within about I don't know, 200 kilometers of its borders, you'll find bridges with statues of saints on them, and they're almost always Nepomuk. He's become so synonymous with bridges. Yeah, and you can recognize him because he has a, a halo, but one difference in his halo is that there are five stars on it. So that's quite cool. Yeah, it's one of those uh, easy-to-spot saints. Mm-hmm. Across Charles Bridge, well, you can't miss the castle, which is sitting up on the hill above you. And the castle is a pretty interesting place to visit. Yeah, we did a tour with Context that started at the castle. And after our tour, we asked Marek, our guide, which buildings should people visit when they're in Prague? So let's listen to him. They should see, I think, the St. Vitus Cathedral at the Prague Castle is the most important religious place in, in Czech Republic. It's the place of the St. Wenceslas Chapel, which is, you know, St. Wenceslas is the main, like, patron saint of Bohemia and Czech nation and Czech state. It's also, like, a substance of Gothic architecture. You will find all artistic styles there, like, from Gothic to till Art Nouveau or modern. It's really, like, essential to see it if you want to understand Czech, Czech culture and Czech, Czech art. Then they should see the St. Nicholas Church in Lesser Town. They should also see the Art Nouveau Municipal House, which is a very important building in Czech history. And uh, they should also see the National Monument on Witkov Hill, which is today is the seat of, uh, there is a exposition of uh, National Museum focused on modern Czech history, and it's very interesting because this building was also used as a mausoleum of Clement Gottwald, for example, the first communist president. 
So if you see this building, you will understand a lot about modern Czech history in 20th century. There's actually another castle in Prague, which is Vyshirad. And for me, it's preferable to visit the Vyshirad Gardens and the area up there because it's quieter. It's a large garden space and uh, there's a beer garden, so that helps. But you're up high and you're looking over the city and over the river and there's just fewer people. It's a more relaxed atmosphere out in the gardens and it's great. So if you look south along the river, you'll see a big um, kind of green hill with a castle on top. And that's a great place to go as well. Speaking of buildings, if you're interested in architecture, then you might want to consider Context's tour of Art Nouveau and modernism. Yeah, we found it really interesting. Art Nouveau is my favorite kind of decorative style. And Mucha, who lived in Prague, is one of my favorite artists. So when I saw that there was a tour all about Art Nouveau and all of that period of architecture, um, you know, in the early 20th century, I jumped on it as fast as I could. So here's Marek again at the beginning of the tour. During the 19th century, it was it was the time we were like Czech people were still under the Austrian Empire, and during the 19th century, it was a time of uh, something we call like emancipation. You know, the, the nation started to grow again. They started to write uh, literature and drama and poetry in, in Czech language again. You know, and they also tried to emancipate uh, themselves politically from the from the Habsburg Empire because because they understood that. You know, within the Austrian Empire, this Bohemia, this region or the country, was one of the richest because there was industry, there was like uh, good infrastructure, everything, and we were like feeding all the neighboring countries. You know, so that was one of the reasons why why Czech people felt, felt that they need some form of independence. And all the 19th century was marked like this struggle for independence. And one of the expressions of this like struggle and this emancipation was in architecture. So I said before that uh, Alphonse Mucha is one of my favorite artists and his best work or his grandest work, probably not his best well-known stuff, but his grandest work was something called the Slav Epic. And in the last couple of years, this has been moved from uh, a gallery outside of town, actually into the heart of Prague itself at the National Art Gallery. I don't know how long it's going to be there for, but it was awesome to go and see it. I wanted to go see it for years and years, but it was always like a couple of hours away and hard to get to. Mm-hmm. And now it's right there in town. So we were able to to get there this time around. And it's really hard to explain. There are a series of oh, – it's not that hard. It's a <laughs> series of massive, massive paintings it must be four or five meters high and four or five across as well. Oh, yeah, easily. And they are kind of depicting important points in Slavic history. And the idea was this is when uh, the Czech Republic was kind of becoming a nation. And so the idea was to give some anchor stones of what it means to be a Slavic people as opposed to a, a Germanic people. Because uh, they were part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, I think mm-hmm. it was called That's by right. that point. Uh, before then, so I sometimes find it hard to remember the the names changing. of the same things. And um, yeah, so this was a real turning point, and it was his life's work. 
I mean, most people know him for decorating champagne bottles and for uh, working with movie stars and doing promo for them. But uh, this was what he really poured the the end of his life into. It was amazing. I mean, it's called the Slav Epic, and it really was epic. Twenty <laughs> enormous paintings, In size if nothing else. Oh yeah, just just enormous. So if you want to see that, you can go to the National Gallery. If you like Mukha, then you might want to go to his museum, uh, which was in the the New Town, right? You went there last time. I, d- I missed out. I think I was feeling a bit unwell. Mm. And uh, another gallery that you might want to consider if, if you're into literature is the Franz Kafka Museum. We went there on our very first trip to Prague, and we were really impressed by it. It still remains one of my favorite kind of literary or artistic museums anywhere in the world. It's so well put together. There are really heaps, quite a lot of museums to go to, like the Communist Museum, which shows many of the ways Prague and what was then Czechoslovakia changed under the communist regime. And there's also the National Museum. At the moment, the National Museum in Wenceslas Square is closed for reconstruction, but it also has lots of other buildings kind of dotted around the city. You can't forget the Sex Toy Museum. Yeah, I was going to forget the Sex Toy Museum. Okay, then. Well, let's move on and maybe talk about some food, eh? Yes, I think that's a very good idea. It's fair to say that the Czech Republic is known for beer. Um, There's Pilsen, which created Pilsner, and there's Budjevice or Budvar, which is where Budweiser comes from. And um, yeah, it's it's a beer place. Recently, there's been this whole explosion of microbrewery and craft beer. So we're getting these traditional styles of making beer and top quality ingredients, but they're moving towards a more modern uh, kind of brew style and taste style. So if you enjoy beer, don't just go there for the cheap stuff where you can, you know, buy yourself a liter of beer for a dollar. Get into some of the craft beer stuff as well. It's fantastic. We were also really impressed this visit by the range of food that was available. Mm. I mean, when you're in the Czech Republic, you want to try Czech food, and that's fine. I mean, it's worth doing duck, dumplings, sausages, all of this kind of mm-hmm. thing. Venison goulash. Venison goulash, of course. Um, Do it for sure. It's wonderful, and you can go to some really nice restaurants. But there was a really big range of international cuisine as well. We went to a Georgian soup cafe. We had Mexican three times. Uh, we had Colombian for lunch. That was quite fun. Uh, just just wonderful. Really, really good quality international cuisine. Yeah, we went to a couple of street markets as well where we had amazing Vietnamese food. Mm. And Vietnam Vietnamese food seems strange in the center of Central Europe. But uh, in fact, the second largest group of people by ethnicity in Prague are Vietnamese. Which is really strange because you'd think they'd be Slovakians, which is the country next to the Czech Republic. But apparently not. Apparently it's Vietnamese. So if you're wanting really good quality, it it really does. If you want good quality Vietnamese food, Czech Republic, Prague. We have to say a big thanks to uh, Charles from J-Way Travel, who really looked after us in terms of food when we were most recently in Prague. That was just amazing. Yeah, he's great. Thanks, Charles. But as much as we enjoyed the new cosmopolitan food scene in Prague, there was something so nice about sitting down in a beer garden with a large beer and some hefty traditional food and listening to a band as they were warming up. So let's take you there now.
beer garden we were in was out near the expo center, which I guess brings us to another very good point. How do we get around Prague? We've already said it's extremely walkable, but there are things that are a bit further away that you might not be so comfortable with. Yes, and the public transport system has changed a bit since we were there, since we were first there, and, and also since the second time we were there. There was always an integrated system with the bus, tram, and subway, which is called the metro, but the ticket prices have changed a little bit since we were there last. So tickets are based on the length of time you'll be using the service. There's a 30-minute ticket, which is 24 crowns, 90 minutes, which is 32 crowns, one day for 110, or three days for 310. If you're there for a week or more, you can get a monthly pass for around double the price of a three-day ticket, which is what we did. And apparently there's a thriving online market for selling these on or buying them. Children and seniors pay half price, and if you're over 70, it's free to travel. And if you're traveling with luggage, you need to remember that you have to buy a separate ticket, which is 16 crowns. Yeah, if you've got a small backpack, that's not going to be a problem. But if you have kind of large suitcases or a, a large kind of 60-plus liter backpack, uh, you're going to get pinged. We've yeah. uh, we've been pinged before when we went out to Kutnohora one time to go and see the Ossery or the Bone Church, which is just outside there. And we had a stand-up fight with the uh, the ticket person. I don't remember that. What happened? Yeah. No, we were on a URL pass at the time, and then this person came along and asked for extra money. We were sure they were trying to extort us. And uh, so in the end, we paid and got receipts and checked it all out, and it was all fine. Hmm. Yeah, ages ago. Not Selective surprised memory. you forgot. Yeah, well, that was 2006, <laughs> yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it would have been. Couldn't horror is a weird place, eh? Yeah. But uh, back to the back to the tickets. You can buy your tickets from ticket machines and metro stations and also from kiosks throughout the city. Now, our friends who we were meeting last time we were there had a bit of trouble getting tickets because they didn't know where to buy them. You can't buy them on the bus or the tram. You have to get them from the kiosk before you get on the bus or tram. Which is a real pain. It really is. So it might be worth buying a few and keeping them in your pocket, even if you don't end up using them, because it's much better to have the ticket than not. Make sure to validate your ticket before you enter the metro and as soon as you enter a bus or tram for the first time and keep your ticket on you until it expires because, yeah, there are quite a lot of ticket inspectors around and they'll issue on-the-spot fines if you have an invalid ticket or if you don't have a ticket for your bag. Um, Make sure to keep an eye out for false inspectors, so ask to see their badge and get a receipt. It's really easy to get in from the airport using this public transport system. There's a bus that will take you to a uh, to a metro stop and then the metro will take you the rest of the way and that's definitely the fastest way even though there are buses that run directly uh, because they're on the roads you're struggling with a lot more metros are heaps faster that's right we've arrived by plane we've arrived by bus and we've arrived by train on our various different journeys and the the train station is conveniently lo- located right in the middle of town maybe about 10, 15 minute walk from the old town square. So that was, that was really good. The bus station's a little bit further out, mm-hmm. conveniently located in Carlin, actually. So when we were arriving this most recent time, uh, it was great. Charles came to meet us and we were staying with him. There's heaps of great places to stay in Prague. Of course, there's everything you'd expect in any major city. Uh, we've stayed at a bunch of different places. Um, we've stayed with friends a few times. We've stayed at the Fusion Hotel. Um, mosaic house and we've found them excellent Mm -hmm. there are some bad options around though as our friend janine found when she came and stayed this time that was one of those this is cheap enough and looks fine online and then it was show up check in check back out again and run away yeah if you're booking a hostel online make sure to read the reviews check the rating 
read the reviews. In this situation, Janine found that the hostel itself was fine, but her room was really bad. So if you can see in the reviews that there's one room that's that's really bad, you can request not to have that room. Just a word of warning, we've tried couch surfing before in, in Prague and we found it quite difficult just because of the sheer number of visitors Prague sees. So I wouldn't recommend that you count on couch surfing there. You're better to go with a hostel or a hotel. Well, Prague is excellent. Um, another word on summer, just before we wrap up, is the sheer number of festivals that happen oh, yeah. for about, I don't know, three months, four months. It seems like there's a different festival on all the time. Now, these go from massive music festivals to small little food festivals. But yeah, there's always something happening. Yeah, it's a great time to go. We went to see a a movie down by the river, which was really fun. I mean, the movie was shocking, but it was fun to go down there and be by the river and, and watching this outdoor outdoor film. So that was really cool. Yeah, it was neat. Yeah, there was all sorts of things on like the street food festival we went to. And yeah, it's just so much energy. And there was a lot that we didn't go to. We heard about four or five other things that we just couldn't get to because we didn't have time or we were leaving the day before. That always happens. <laughs> or we just missed something. You know, we arrived three days after something had finished. So uh, if you're interested in festivals, make sure to to do a bit of research and find out when the festival you're most interested in is going to be taking place so that you can be there at the right time. If you've got any questions about Prague, we'll have some more detailed information on the website. Just go to IndieTravelPodcast.com and search for Prague. Uh, you can also ping us on Twitter or Facebook or send us a message via the contact form. <laughs> Over the next two weeks, we're still going to be here in Aundel, and then we're heading to London for a couple of days, then to Moldova, which we're super excited about, and then to Ukraine before heading back to London. So if you have any advice about Moldova or Ukraine, please let us know. Yeah, definitely. It'll be our first new countries for quite some time since going to Morocco at the beginning of the year. At the end of last year, it was. Remember, we were back oh in time for New Year. Oh, my God, yes, just in time for New Year. Okay, so these will be the first new countries we've been to this year. That's ridiculous. That's mad. What's gone wrong with our lives, Linda? Uh, I think it's my master's. Oh, my it's, God. It's still that. That, that. That's over now. Yeah, it's finished. So we're, as you know, we've taken a year off from the Indie Travel Podcast, and we've let a lot of things slide, like the email newsletter. But we've recently just got that up and running again, and we're going to be sending that out every two weeks. If you'd like to subscribe to the email newsletter, so you can sign up at IndieTravelPodcast.com or just send an email to mail at IndieTravelPodcast.com. So I sent out the first one in, I think it was about 18 months. I sent it out last Thursday and we've already got some really lovely responses. Yeah. Pete said, thanks so much for the update. Linda, congrats on getting your master's in Spanish. Craig, great to see you're starting up a new company and I wish you good luck. Thanks, Pete. One thing I really love to hear from people is when they listen to the podcast. So Cheryl said that she listens to the podcast wearing her headset while grinding and working on glass art. That is a first. <laughs> Absolutely. Michael said that he's glad to hear that we're prosperous and enjoying the good life. We do like our lives. Very nice. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Claire said that she recently got back from a trip to Hong Kong, Philippines, Japan, China, and Moscow, currently in Ireland. And so that's quite cool. We also heard from Maori, who was uh, interested to know if we're talking about Thailand beaches. 
I think we're going to have to do some interviews about Asia because we don't have much about those areas. No, that's right. But we're going to be in Central America and the Caribbean uh, for the next little while, from November onwards. And uh, yeah, so the podcast really focuses on where we are or where we've been. And we pull in guests from time to time to talk about other places we're excited about, but haven't been able to get to. There's only so much time and so much money. And we also heard from Manolo, who said that he thinks the podcast we send are interesting and that he didn't know about the Haro Festival, even though he's from Spain. So thanks, everyone, for your emails. We really love to hear from you. And if you have any questions or if you just like to chat, please do send us an email at mail at indietravelpodcast.com. Once again, thanks to our sponsors, Context Travel. Uh, we did two tours in Prague this time, Charles IV and the Making of Prague, which was fascinating, and Art Nouveau and Modernism. Prague at the turn of the century, which was equally beautiful and fascinating. Both of our tours were with Marek, who we thought was an excellent guide. And uh, if you don't want to do either of those tours, there are a whole bunch of other ones to choose from, such as Communist Prague, Jewish Prague, the Jesuits and the Habsburgs, and the one that I think sounds the most interesting, which is the Cafe Culture one. So next time we go to Prague, I think we're going to have to do that one. Definitely. Political revolt, artistry, and good coffee. Yeah, I think the good thing about context is that you can either get an introduction to a place or you can dive right into your area of interest. You can find them at contexttravel.com and you can find us at indietravelpodcast.com. So until next time, travel well.